Hi there, and welcome to True Crime with Charlie G. True Crime Stories for the Investigative Mind. Case 3, Dr. Death. Harold Frederick Shipman, also known as Dr. Death, was born on the 13th of January 1946 in Nottingham, England. Born into a working-class family in Manchester, Shipman was a promising student throughout school and excelled at sports, particularly rugby. His life changed course when at just 17 his mother Vera was diagnosed with lung cancer that would prove to be fatal. While she lay dying in hospital, Shipman closely observed how the doctor eased her pain by administering morphine. Experts would later speculate that this moment was the inspiration for his sadistic killing spree and modus operandi. Following his mother's death, he went on to marry Primrose May Oxterby while he studied at Leeds University Medical School. The pair appeared to be the picture of normality, having four children together. Shipman graduated Leeds University in 1970 and started as a junior doctor before quickly progressing to become a general practitioner at a medical practice in West Yorkshire. Trouble with the law first came for Shipman in 1975. It was discovered that he had made several fraudulent prescriptions for the opiate pethidine, to which he subsequently became addicted. He was fined, fired and required to attend a rehabilitation clinic in York. Shipman appeared to get back on his feet quickly and returned to work in 1977 at Donnybrook Medical Centre in Hyde, Greater Manchester, thriving and gaining respectability. He would spend the next 15 years here before setting up his own one-man practice in 1993. Shipman worked at building himself a good reputation within his community. It had been said that he was a good practitioner, renowned for his bedside manner. In the March of 1975, Shipman took his first victim, 70-year-old Eva Lyons, the day before her birthday. At this time, he had been able to procure enough diamorphine to kill hundreds although no one was aware of his addiction until the following year. Even though he was fired from his role that year and required to attend rehab, Shipman was never removed from the General Medical Council. This is the doctor's regulatory body. He was only issued with a warning letter that would allow him to remain in the medical sector and re-enter medicine at a later date, ending him up with his own practice. Investigators would later state Shipman would stop and restart his killing spree during his decades of instilling terror over the women of Northern Britain. During this time, however, his method of killing remained unchanged. Shipman would administer the lethal dose before watching them die in front of him or sending them back to their homes to perish. He would target the vulnerable members of society, with his eldest victim being 93-year-old Anne Cooper and the youngest 41-year-old Peter Lewis, that we know of. 
It is believed that he killed 71 of his patients while working at the Donnybrook practice and the rest while running his own one-man practice. Danger came close for Shipman in 1988 when undertakers in the community raised concerns about the sheer number of fatalities in his patients. A neighbouring practice upon investigation found that Shipman's fatality rate was more than 10 times their own. As a result, they informed the local coroner and the Greater Manchester Police. This should have been the end for him, but it wasn't. The authorities did an awful job of investigating, failing to do even the most basic of checks. Had they done so, they could have requested his file from the medical board and found his previous offending record for forgery. To help cover his tracks, Shipman added false information to his patients' files, giving them the appearance of illnesses that they simply did not have. Police decided that there was no cause for concern, leaving Shipman to continue killing. Shipman's crimes were finally uncovered in 1998 when he had made a mistake. The doctor tried to forge the will of one of his patients that had died. The former mayor of the town of Hyde, 81-year-old Kathleen Grundy, was killed by Shipman and was found only hours after being visited by the doctor. After administering a lethal-dosed injection, Shipman ticked the cremation box on the victim's will to hide the evidence of his crime. He then proceeded to use his typewriter to completely write Grundy's family out of her will, leaving everything to him. Kathleen Grundy was actually buried and her daughter Angela Woodruff was notified about the change in the will by the local solicitors. Woodruff immediately suspected foul play and sought out the help of the local police service. Grundy's daughter was quoted to say, The whole thing was unbelievable. The thought of my mum signing the document and leaving everything to her doctor was inconceivable. The concept of signing a document so badly typed didn't make sense. Grundy's body was consequently exhumed in the August of 1998, with traces of diamorphine being found in her muscle tissue. Shipman was arrested on the 7th of September of the same year. Over the following two months, 11 more of Shipman's deceased patients were exhumed. A police expert also dug through the computer Shipman kept at his practice. The officer uncovered that he had made up false illnesses for his patients to support the causes of death he had noted on their death certificates. Shipman even insisted that Kathleen Grundy was addicted to a drug like morphine or heroin, pointing to his notes as evidence of this. Police, however, found that these notes had been added after the victim's death. The authorities managed to verify a further 14 cases where Shipman had administered lethal doses of diamorphine, falsely registered patients' deaths and tampered with their medical histories to show they were already dying. This was hard to believe in some cases, like Kathleen Grundy, who seemed to be in good health before being treated by Shipman. Shipman always denied the murders and refused to cooperate with the police or criminal psychologists.
When authorities tried to question him or show him photographs of his victims, he would sit back and shut his eyes, even yawning at times, refusing to look at any evidence. As a result, police could only charge Shipman with 15 murders, but it has been estimated that his count of killings could be more likely in the region of 250 to 450, a truly shocking figure. Harold Shipman was given life imprisonment to serve at his Majesty's pleasure, with the recommendation that he never be released, added in 2000. He was incarcerated in Manchester Prison, but later ended up in Wakefield Prison in West Yorkshire. On the 13th of January 2004, Harold Shipman was found hanging in his cell having committed suicide just the day before his 58th birthday. He had previously told his probation officer of his thoughts to end his life, so that his wife could receive his pension and a lump sum. It is truly a shocking case bringing into question the powers and responsibilities of the medical community in Britain and the adequacy of procedures for the registry of sudden deaths. How can a person in a position of power get away with such cruelty? There are several theories as to why Shipman acted in this way, including vengeance for his mother's death, thinking he was practising euthanasia to relieve those suffering from the frailties of old age, or wiping out the older generations that would go on to be a drain on the National Health Services. Or even finally, that he had some kind of God complex, relishing the ability to hold control over the lives of others. I will let you decide which theory might have made such a man act this way. This has been True Crimes with Charlie G. Thanks for listening. See you next time.